everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today is our one and only singular co-host, our lonely, lonely boy, Messer Engine. Thanks for joining me today, Mess. How are you doing? I am doing well. I am a little sad that I am a lonely boy today, but we'll uh, remedy that problem next week. And and for the record, I'm just going to throw this out there now because I know it's coming. I, I've I've used pronouns a couple of times. Our new co-host is a female. I will continue to refer to them as my boys. <laughs> it is an entirely gender-neutral boy. Please, no one get offended. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a crazy week, man. I before I tell you about my crazy week and the crazy storm and the broken fence, how the fuck was your week? Uh, it was it was pretty good. Uh, it's been a little over a week since our last recording. Life is finally settling back down after the holiday. We're settling back into our normal groove. Um, but yeah, no, my week was was pretty great, honestly. Um, things at work are actually starting to settle down. So like, I'm still spending ten to twelve hours there every time I go in. But I'm I'm seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I'm actually hopeful now that that's just not my life forever. <laughs> um. And yeah, it's it's been pretty great. Today kind of sucked. Um, we took my kids out in public and they decided to do what my kids do when I take them out in public, which is make me look like the worst father in the history of time. But other than that, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, Mess, how are you, buddy? How was your week? Did you manage to fit any of that good new Mario Odyssey in? Yeah, I actually have played a lot of Mario Odyssey. It's really, really good. Um, I need to play more. I'm on vacation this coming week, so I'm going to plenty of time to do that so that's exciting uh as you know i did my uh emerald randomized stream on sunday instead of um our regular gameplay because we're in between series and two words jolly exploding magby (laughs) fucking exploding magby what the fuck (laughs) that thing knew aerial ace wish and explode Needless to say, there is a dead Pokemon that should never have died to a Magby. Um, did you did you randomize the move sets, or did it just know those things? No, I had randomized the move sets. I, I realized after that happened that when I was using the randomizer, I was trying to make sure that the TMs got appropriately randomized, and I clicked the wrong box. So now anything can fucking know anything, and it's terrifying. <laughs> Um, anyways, the, after Sunday, there was a huge storm that came in Sunday night. It was the leftovers of, uh, one of the hurricanes, obviously not as devastating as it was down South. Uh, but we got a lot of trees up here in Maine and 55, 60 plus mile, uh, mile an hour winds really not good i woke up monday morning came down like rubbing the sleep out of my eyes and my wife was just pointing out the window and i looked over and our fence that surrounds our garage like a large portion of it was just down the wind had snapped it at the base uh the post base just just snapped it shattered it so we're in the process of destroying the fence now um to get it removed but winter's on the way so that should be interesting uh there were also trees and telephone poles and like all kinds of stuff down everywhere on my way into work that day so i got to see some parts of maine that i didn't know existed because i kept getting rerouted everywhere i went um 
beyond the chaos that was Monday, Tuesday, uh, the rest of my week's been pretty good. I snuck in some Mario Odyssey, like uh, I mentioned, when I could. Um, it's been a busy week at work. Uh, tonight, my uh, my shiny Dragonair became a shiny Dragonite, so that's exciting. Um, got a new beautiful 2DSL Pokeball Edition, as do you, I believe. Um for our Ultra Sun Ultra Moon adventures. But uh yeah, that that was my week. That was a lot more information than I normally give, but it was an exciting one. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was it was a pretty big week around here too. I mean, obviously, uh Tuesday's our normal stream day, but I did not stream Tuesday because it was also Halloween and I have small children, so that kind of took uh presidents and my kids had a blast uh dressing up as various my little ponies and prancing around the neighborhood demanding candy of strangers which is the only time that's appropriate for some reason um <laughs> but my my oldest fell down and skinned her knee three times because she was so incredibly excited um, and she has insisted that she wear her co Halloween costume every day since Halloween. We can't get it through her head that, you know, okay, sweetie, you can dress up and you can play pretend, but Halloween's over. Like, we're not going trick-or-treating again. And she gets real pouty. Um, but no, like, our neighborhood gets really, really busy with kids. Like, I, I spent close to $60 on Halloween candy, and it was out within an hour. Which, which is whatever, like, I'm glad that, you know, we were able to do that for, for the neighborhood kids, but then I had, like, parents heckling me on the street because it's only 7pm and I'm out of Halloween candy. So that was, <laughs> that was something, that was kind of frustrating, but what are you going to do? I survived Halloween. I mean, after last week's discussion about how much I dislike that holiday, I was pleased that my wife was home to fend off all the children that came to the door now that we live in a real neighborhood. <laughs> I am very happy that you survived and yeah I your your whole your whole perspective of holidays shifts once you have children and own a home and all of those things like Halloween has always been one of my absolute favorite holidays and it still is like the weekend before we had a grown-up Halloween party we went to a haunted house we had uh boozy cider and did some other fun stuff and that was dope but Halloween the day itself was just a garbage fire because children. So, yay, children, they ruin everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I did pick up my, my new 2DS XL uh, Pokeball Edition, which is fucking sick. I love it. It's got the, the, the slick uh, Pokeball uh, cover on the front of the clamshell, and it has a little button in the middle that you can actually press uh, that does absolutely nothing but is super satisfying to just push. Um, and it's, it's really cool. I like it. Uh, that, as Mess mentioned, these are going to be our systems that we're going to stream 3DS games with. Um, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get that up and running. We've hit a little speed bump, so we might not be able to start streaming like Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon the day they launch. And if it drags out too long, we might have to work something else out. So just keep your ear close to the ground. Um, we'll keep you guys up to date. But at the very least, in the not too distant future, we will be streaming uh, 3DS Pokemon games and, you know, maybe doing some Wonder Trade stuff, maybe doing so some other just neat fun in Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. So look forward to that. Um, and yeah, the, the other really cool thing for me this week was when I went to pick up my new Pokeball Edition 2DS XL, I found out that my local GameStop store is hosting a, uh, Pokemon 6v6 singles tournament 
uh, for the midnight release of Ultra Sun Ultra Moon. So I'm really excited for that. Like, I really want to participate and do well. Um, and actually, my Friday night stream, a lot of it was playing in Pokemon Showdown and strategizing and building the team for that. So I've I've got a team of six picked out, and I've actually got them all bred at this point. I'm just in the process of preparing them, leveling some of them up to 100 to use bottle caps, and just getting ready for the, the big show, as it were. That's really exciting. That's a cool like little event to have for the release yeah yeah like it's it's really cool and i'm i'm kind of excited um just just for for fun honestly like and yeah the team that i built it did it did relatively well in in ou on showdown and i I sincerely doubt i'm going to be coming up against a bunch of competitors of just the quality of the type of people who hang out in ou on showdown at a local GameStop. like maybe one or two will be like serious competitive pokemon players but i'm guessing that I'm going to be playing a lot of like 12 year olds who are just like, I like Gengar cause he's fat and smiley. So <laughs> I think I'll, I think I'll do okay. <laughs> yeah. And you won't be uh, in the situation that you are when we do showdowns where your entire team is half garbage because things died and we could only catch certain things and move sets are limited. Um, so you, you won't have those limitations on you. Oh no, man. Like this is this these are top tier boys. I'm really excited to bust them out. And actually, I built the team around Mega Charizard X because I finally, finally, fucking finally hatched my own shiny Charmander. You know, I hatched Rohanes for him weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I'll keep going until I get a second one for me. I'd actually like to have one. It has taken me this long to finally hatch my own. And of course, I named him Fireball after our dear sweet Fireball, who was so good for us. I was going to ask you if you named him Bobbert. <laughs> oh, shit. I might have to visit the name writer. He might have to be a Bobbert. God damn it. Bobbert, the shiny uh, Charizard. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so that was our week, guys. Now, let's talk a little bit about the the Poke News. Do the jingle. It, it's a tradition now. Okay. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Here is the Poke News. The Poke News. All right, guys. So if you were expecting me to open up the news with a reminder to pick up your Ash Cap Pikachu or your Mega Stones, well, you, you clearly haven't been paying attention. Uh, those events are now completely over and done. You had one job. It was to get Ash Cap Pikachus and Mega Stones, and you failed. I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. I feel like I did everything I could to prepare you for this. Uh, we still like you, though, so don't worry. Um... The only giveaway event currently active in the North America region for Pokemon Sun and Moon is the Shiny Silvali giveaway, which is partnered with GameStop or EB Games if you're in Canada. Uh, so if you haven't picked that code up yet, be sure to stop into your local uh, retailer and request a code. Uh, this event will remain active until November 13th. However, they've repeatedly stated on their media that supplies are limited this time, so you might want to get that sooner rather than later. Yeah, they did a print code for me when I went. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Well, then maybe they're just full of shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Because um, yeah, like I, I don't know. I just I was worried that they wouldn't do the print codes this time around because every single flyer for it said while supplies last. But maybe they're just garbage boys. Most likely. This is GameStop, so yeah. Yeah, I, probably. I, I wasn't going to say it aloud, but yeah. And I apologize. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to talk on my podcast with a mouthful of ice. Like, that is really dumb of me. <laughs> All right. So, 
This weekend also marks the beginning of the Fathom event showings for the 20th anniversary Pokemon movie here in North America, which I am super excited for. Uh, I know me and my wife and a good friend of ours are going uh, tomorrow as of this recording on Sunday to our local theater to check it out. And if you're interested in attending, be sure to head over to FathomEvents.com to find a local participating theater. Now, kind of exciting. I didn't realize this until I was actually preparing the Pokemon news today, but it looks like since we first announced this event, they must have had really good ticket sales because they've added at least some limited showings. Uh, next week on Saturday the 11th and Tuesday the 14th, at least in my area. So be sure to check it out. If you can't make it this Sunday or Monday, there is still time, potentially, uh, if you want to see the movie in theaters. And again, there's some pretty cool swag that you can pick up for going. You can get the uh, special QR code to receive your movie variant Ash Cap Pikachu for your Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon title later this month. Um, I believe there's also an exclusive uh, trading card. So yeah, good shit. Yeah, I'm off this week, so I'm, I'm going to have to go see if there's actually any local sh- This is me, so let's just be honest. Uh, maybe nothing happening, but I'm going to check. Yeah, cool. If it matches what we have here in the Indianapolis region, at least, there is a 1 p.m. showing here in Indy tomorrow, or 12.55, I should say. Um, there's a 7 p.m. showing on Monday, and then, yeah, when I checked today, there was a 1 p.m. showing next Saturday, and then at 7 p.m. next Tuesday. So, yeah, you've got some options. Maybe. Maybe. This is the frozen north. This is true. You are practically Canadian. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So if last week was slow in Pokemon Ultra Sun Ultra Moon news... Uh, this was the newsmageddon. This was the week of all the news. Uh, the scheduled announcement of this past Thursday came, and Game Freak certainly delivered. Uh, they did summarize all of the announcements in a brand new trailer, and I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, but before Mess and I unravel our feelings about the trailer, since there was so, so much announced, I just want to give a quick summary of the relevant facts so that we don't skip or, or gloss over anything. Um... So first things first, the the Team Rocket images that were hidden on Japanese promotional media that we discussed last week in episode 13 on the podcast, uh, those were no fluke. Team Rocket has indeed returned once again under the leadership of the villainous Giovanni, now under the new name Team Rainbow Rocket. And the little bit that we see in the trailer of them is extremely threatening, especially since Giovanni finally has his fucking Mewtwo. <laughs> Uh, Giovanni isn't alone in Team Rainbow Rocket, however, as it has been revealed that the leader of every villainous team up through Lysander of X and Y is joining Giovanni and returning to threaten Alola. Uh, the Battle Agency was also announced, which is a new battle facility where you use rental Pokemon in place of your own specially prepared friends, seemingly in the same vein of the Battle Factory from the Battle Frontiers of both Emerald and Platinum. It was announced that the selection of rental Pokemon will increase and improve along with your activity in the Festival Plaza, which the way I see it is both a plus and a minus because, yay, a reason to use Festival Plaza, but eh, Festival Plaza. Mm. Um... And, and prizes from the battle agency will include the coveted gold bottle caps. So that's exciting. 
Um, Totem Stickers were announced, which is a new collectible, which will allow you to use totem-sized Pokemon. Uh, it's unclear how customizable this feature is. Uh, the only totem-sized Pokemon that the trailer shows the trainer using are totem Pokemon from the game. Uh, things like Lorantis and Gumshoes. Uh, but it's a neat addition regardless, um, and hopefully it'll allow us to supersize all of our friends and we can run around with a Waylord the size of a blimp. Yes. Uh, it was also announced that Island Scan will be returning to Alola, which was a, a feature that was very, very cool in the early days of Sun and Moon and then kind of lost its luster once Bank was released. Uh, but it, it allows you to scan QR codes daily and access Pokemon that are not normally available in, in the region. Uh, and new and different Pokemon will be available from this feature in Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Last, but certainly not least, we had discussed a few weeks ago uh, how Mewtwo and, quote, other legendaries would be available beyond the Ultra Wormhole, but the scale of this wasn't clear at the time. Uh, well, they've clarified, and the answer to that question is all the legendaries. Uh, every single legendary Pokemon from generations one through six will be available in Ultra Sun and or Ultra Moon. Uh, they're spread in a way that is familiar to anyone who played Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire with one version of each pair getting one half of each leg legendary duo. Um, so for instance, if I, and I don't remember the actual pairings, so please don't correct me if I'm wrong, but if ultra sun gets Groudon, ultra moon gets Kyogre. Um, and then you're only able to capture the third legendary of each generation. So in this example, Rayquaza, if you have both cover legendaries in your party. Interesting. Uh, and then finally, they announced the date of the next information release for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, which is November 10th. And that'll probably be the last one, as that's only a week before the game releases. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a whole lot of information for a single release. Uh, Mess, what were your thoughts and takeaways from the trailer? So, uh, Team Rocket returning is really fantastic. I mean, they... They're the classic villain organization and them coming back with the support of all the other, you know, villain heads from the, the past series is, it's frankly amazing. It, it's a love letter to the fans. But for me personally, with us having just finished Red, Blue, Yellow, all I could think of is the episode where I mentioned that when you beat Giovanni in his gym that he was just like a broken shell of a man because a 12 year old just kicked him up and down like destroyed his you know henchmen and his evil organization and everything else and I feel like he's been in counseling this entire time and just like someone was like you gotta start over you can't you can't let those kids beat you right and he was like you know you're right I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna rebuild Team Rocket better than ever and we're gonna be 12 and we're gonna destroy his evil organization and just wreck his soul again <laughs> and part of me is really excited to see that and part of me feels really bad for him um the battle arena seems cool um the the fact that you can go in there and be like yeah i want to rent a pokemon and go beat people up it seems like a really cool way for people who are more casual to get into you know the the battle scene a little bit uh with some really interesting rewards uh, the totem Pokemon stuff, I could take it or leave it. It's cool that there are giant Pokemon. I, it, it's, it doesn't matter to me a ton. 
Um, the legendaries, all the legendaries. Holy crap, that's emphasized so hard in the trailer, too. It's like when you watch a fighting anime and, you know, something happens and you get everyone's reaction. Like, the, the, the panel is cut so you have like different faces in each of the little uh you know polygons that they cut out uh for the panel they did that for like every legendary that's ever been and i was like yep legendary oh more yeah ooh, more legendary all oh, okay all the legendaries oh and fava appears fucking fava appears on the the promotional art for team rainbow rocket so evidently lucimine isn't uh gonna be mean this time uh it's the the crazy dude who worked for her but yeah, yeah, this this looks like they've put a lot of uh, thought and fun uh, into this last DS uh, Pokemon game. Um, there's definitely a lot here for the fans. And, you know, it's so clear that they're doing this for us. It, it's not even funny. You? Question mark? <laughs> okay um so thanks mess like that was that was really good um i also had a couple of thoughts um and, and things that i was really really excited about from watching that um now the reveal of team rainbow rocket in that trailer and giovanni as their leader it was fucking perfect uh the boss battle intro with the original team rocket theme you know remixed and updated but still that same theme playing and his arrogant smirk just it hit all the right notes. Uh, the fact that he has a Mewtwo is super threatening. I'm really excited to see where this particular story goes. The only thing that could have made that particular introduction better would have been if Giovanni's Mewtwo was wearing all of the fucking mind control gear that he wore in the anime. Like, that would have been fucking sick. But, again, you know, I mean, if wishes were fishes. But still, really fucking good. Um... One thing that was really interesting to me is that Maxi and Archie, the leaders of, of Team Magma and Team Aqua, respectively, they're wearing their, their outfits, their clothes from the original Ruby and Sapphire. They're not wearing what they wore in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Uh, this, uh, just along with the fact that they're all together, leads me to wonder if there are villains, if there are versions of these characters, or if, like, uh, Annabelle from the... Uh, Ultra Beast, like, post-game story in Sun and Moon, if they're time and space displaced from another timeline by the Ultra Wormhole, since Ultra Space seems to be such a, a, a key factor in the story of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Uh, either way, none of them are nice dudes, and we're gonna punch them in the face really hard. Um, I will not let that bastard bring more water to this game. <laughs> But then we can surf on Mantines more, and that would be dope. <laughs> you already know my feelings on Mantine surfing. Oh, mess! I forgot to tell you this. This was one of the really, really small information releases, not from from this particular dump, but from a little while back, actually. But there's just been so many very, very small things. It's hard to remember to cover them all on the podcast. Um, but it was confirmed that Mantine Surfing will give you a form of currency for playing it, and that that currency can be used at Move Tutors. So it's not clear if that's going to be BP or Battle Points, which is what is traditionally used at those vendors, or if it's going to be something new. But there is a legitimate, compelling gameplay reason to take take part in Mantine Surfing. Wonderful. <laughs> so that means you're just going to do it and hate it. Yep. Thanks, game developers. <laughs> 
Awesome. Now, the, the battle agency has me personally really, really hyped. Uh, a new battle frontier or or something of similar functionality was high on my wish list for Ultra Sun Ultra Moon, and this is a huge step in that direction. I just want them to announce more along these lines next week. Either say, yep, you're getting a battle frontier, or here's one or two more battle facilities. That would get me really excited. Um one thing that I found super interesting and ridiculously hype wasn't actually in the trailer, but was on actually the, the piece of promotional art that, that Mess has already referenced. It was, I'm not sure where and how it was initially released by Game Freak, and I apologize. I was at work Thursday. It was a busy day, but I came by it by way of the official Cerebi.net Twitter feed, and this promotional art shows the male player character, Sun Helio, whatever his name is, uh, surrounded by his team of six Pokemon and his allies out in front of the team Rainbow Rocket Base, and in the sky above the base, there's all the bad guys profiled in a huge Ultra Wormhole. Now, what was super interesting is that the bad guy from Generation seven as mess referenced it it wasn't guzma it wasn't lusamine it was uh faba the cowardly selfish aether foundation regional manager uh likewise your, your allies on the ground aren't how and lily as you might expect they're they're sophocles the electric trial captain the, the kind of tubby guy with the um toga tomorrow mm-hmm. wick the, the matronly Aether Foundation admin, and can I just say that it's fucking brilliant that in this, like, tense world-on-the-line moment, Wick just looks slightly surprised and is holding an armful of fucking malasadas. Like, I brought snacks! <laughs> <laughs> Kids, make sure you eat. And last but certainly not least, fucking Guzma. Guzma is a bro, you guys. Your Ultra Boy, Ultra Guzma is here, and he's on our side this time. And if my hype level was at a 9 before that, it's at a fucking 12 now. Now you too can travel with the bug trainer who fails at life. I'm already a bug trainer that fails at life. I don't need that. Oh, Jolly, that was mean to yourself. It was. I'm a sad boy. <laughs> All right. So that that is our Poke News for the week. Um, that was our, our big announcement on Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon and our spin on that. And again, I think that at this point, we're just we're all kind of waiting to see what they announce on the 10th. And more importantly, just to get our hands on these fucking games. Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. When I went to go pick up my uh, Pokeball uh 2DS XL, I actually got my pre-order done and paid it all off, so now I just gotta show up and pick it up. So, I'm hyped. Dope. And, yeah, well, no, that's not the week you're on vacation, but you have been taking Fridays off. Yep. And I get Fridays off, so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, guys, so we are currently between games, so in lieu of our normal Nuzlocke content, we would like to to bring you something uh, a little different, a little special tonight. Um... This is going to be the second episode in our series of content creator spotlights where we sit down with podcasters, YouTubers, streamers, or just content creators of all stripes who make cool Pokemon shit that we love and that we hope you will love just as much. Uh, A few weeks ago, I got the, the privilege to sit down and chat with tonight's special guest, and I really hope you enjoy learning about him and the content that he produces. Uh, So without further ado, without any more interruption, let's go ahead and roll that interview. Hello, 
everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today we have a very special guest, uh, not one of our normal co-hosts. Uh, so, special guest, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners? Hey, everyone, it's Kellen, Fossil Gaming. Oh, what's up? Hey, Kellen, how are you doing today? I'm I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for asking. Um, so this is the second episode in our series of uh, Community Content Creator Spotlights. Um, if you guys have been listening, if you remember, um, a few weeks ago we had uh, Nathan Kay from the podcast Self Radio on to talk about himself and his show. Um, and this time, uh, Kellen from False Swipe Gaming was gracious enough to uh, offer up some of his time and, and sit down and talk with us this evening. Um, now, Kellen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your channel all right well um i'm just i'm just a guy who really likes pokemon uh i do uh competitive pokemon like for now anyway i mainly do videos on the history of competitive pokemon like basically like how uh each one has done over uh six generations i don't do gen 7 mostly because it's still the metagame is still fresh and you honestly after uh, researching this for a while, you never really know like what someone can think of that will just shake up the metagame. So uh, I'm, that's why I'm holding off of Gen 7. That's really cool. That's actually one of the things that I really, really like about your channel, just as someone who watches your videos, is, you know, when I, when I first saw you pop up in, like, the, oh, you may enjoy this bullshit section of YouTube, um, you know, not to not to be too insulting to, to other PokeTubers out there, but I just figured that it was going to be very, very heavy... I guess speculation um, and a lot of just kind of going over what's already available for you to see on Smogon um, just because that's, the, I mean, that tends to be what a lot of other PokeTubers do when it's not like a, a solid gameplay video is it's just a lot of opinions and speculation and not a lot of facts, but man, you are super facts heavy in your content. Like you source, um, you, you show, I mean, even video going back to, to Nintendo cup, which is, is wild. So that's, that's really, really mm -hmm. cool. Oh yeah. Thanks. Um, well, I, I don't really like I I do I do, I am like all about the facts uh like I really try to be because I feel like especially with Pokemon there's a lot of just because of the way just because of the nature of the game and the way that you you can play other people like it's not really there's not a lot of critique that goes around in how people normally use sets and I'm not saying that you shouldn't make your own sets but there is like there need for like a game to be competitive there needs to be a certain meta game to form of it and when a meta game comes out optimal sets come out and then ways to counter those optimal sets come out and then you have then you have all this stuff and then that's when it it can turn into speculation but like after like so many years after a meta is played then uh then that's when it, i guess you can you can get a pretty large sample size of what people use, is what I'm saying, um, if that makes any sense. And um, yeah, well, well, well uh, I I appreciate the compliment on that too. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, again, our our goal with these episodes um, for you, dear listeners, is is not just to to plug other content creators, although we definitely want to do that, but to plug content creators that we enjoy. Um, and so, I mean, again, that's why I reached out to to Kellen and False Swipe is because I consume their content, I enjoy their content, and I hope that you guys will too. I really hope you'll check them out. Um, now, Kellen. Um, to, to you as the, the Pokemon fan, not necessarily as the 
content creator. How, how did you become interested in Pokemon initially? What sparked that initial interest for you? Okay, well, like most, like, I think the majority of Pokemon fans, it all started when I was a kid. I was four years old. Um, I, I knew, I didn't know how to read. So I, uh, I think I, I used to watch, like, I don't even remember what I used to watch, but I would just watch, like, random kids' shows on, like, PBS or something. And then my cousins actually, cause I used to hang out at my grandfather's house all the time. So I would see my cousins a lot. My cousins would be like, Oh, Pokemon is on. I was like, what's that? I want to watch it. And then I saw it. I loved the show instantly. And I liked, um, I told, I told my mom to get me like the videotape because I didn't see the first episode. And I guess I was conscious enough to be aware that, uh, shows like shows that I would be watching were actually like re or were like ongoing. So I didn't really get to see how everything began. So she bought, uh, my mother bought me the, the, I think, like, I, the, I, um, the tape that has, like, the very first episode, like, I Choose You or whatever, where, and then I absolutely just love, I loved how savage Pikachu was <laughs> in there. And then I, and then I heard there was, uh, video games for it. So I told my mom for my birthday, I wanted, I wanted the, a Game Boy and the Pokemon games. And then on my next birthday, I got Pokemon Red. And ever since then, like, you know, I just kept playing. Like every every time a game would be released, I'd be there to get it, and and I'm still doing it. So it's uh it's been roughly like like 15 to 16 years already. <laughs> so that's that's really awesome. Like I can't even you know again I was a little older. I was already you know 12 when the the first games came out. Um, and this is something I've talked to my brother about a little bit because he's substantially younger than me. He's closer to your age, and just just how mm-hmm. neat it would have been to to have. Uh, to to have been able to to ride that wave, you know, even as a, a younger kid, because you know, by the time it, it caught on for for our age group, you know, I was definitely full steam ahead in red and blue, and, and still pretty much in gold and silver. But by, by the time Ruby Sapphire Emerald was coming out, it was starting to be, you know, as far as my peers were concerned, at least, it was kiddie shit. And mm-hmm. so there was there was a little bit more social pressure to step away from those childhood things. Whereas again, like you guys who are a little bit younger you got to to i guess wallow unashamedly in in that side of things a lot longer than than we did so that's really cool like i'm i'm really glad to to know that for for th- th- there are so many people who picked up the series so young and and got to enjoy it as a child for so long um now you might not actually even remember this then if you picked up your first game so young um but if you remember who was your first starter oh it was bulbasaur i i my favorite color is green so i picked bulbasaur i wasn't and i was not like and i i think i've said this in one of my videos i wasn't enchantized by the the fire dragon on the cover i just um i went with like i i really liked i'm pretty sure i really liked bulbasaur in the show too and just because and as a kid yes it was just because it was green but I always I, but i thought charizard was kind of an asshole so <laughs> that's why i i picked the uh, bulbasaur that is really, really solid logic. I can't complain. I picked Squirtle because he had sunglasses. So, you know, who the fuck am I to judge? Yeah. Uh, is Now, is, is Bulbasaur still your favorite of the, the original Kanto starters? Yes, but also because I'm, I was into competitive and I go by, well, actually now Charizard is really good. But, you know, back then he was, I, I think I was, I know a lot of like the casual fans will like, they will like, I don't want to say complain, but they'll uh, frown upon people who talk shit about Charizard because, like, oh, Stealth Rocks isn't everything, but 
I I am 100% like I feel bad about it now but back then I was 100% guilty of being one of the people saying Charizard sucks <laughs> because of Stealth Rocks and Bla- <laughs> Venusaur is the best of the starters and all that so yes Venusaur is still still my favorite of the first gen starters I mean that's that's just as valid of reasoning as anything else, and I mean yeah, if you're playing singles, then yes, Stealth Rocks is love, Stealth Rocks is life. There's really yeah. no denying that. I mean personally, if w- when I'm feeling more competitive, I'm more of a VGC man myself, so entry mm-hmm. hazards are a much smaller portion of of my thought process. But but yes, in singles, absolutely, Stealth Rocks are a force. But there, I would argue that Rock Slide is also very prominent in VGC. So and that's that's a very very valid point. Yeah, like later, later Charizard. We got Talon Flame anyway now, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, actually, well, not any, not no, anymore. So no, no. Oh, R.I.P. Bravest Burb. We we will always miss you. Um. All right. So, um. And again, I know that this is like the. <laughs> the the skull and crossbones question for any Pokemon fan. This is the hard one, but gun to your head, you have to pick one. Who is mm-hmm. your favorite Pokemon? Gyarados. Yeah, what, what? I feel extremely confident saying Gyarados because I love Gyarados. I mean, that's that's definitely solid. What what about Gyarados makes him your favorite? Because he evolves from Magikarp. It's like, you know, it's like the it's like the one like I'll, I'll admit as like I'm not I'm not even trying to gain sympathy here or whatever but i will admit as a kid i wasn't very bright not i mean not academically wise but like i guess in terms of video games because i would be like i would play a lot of video games with my cousin and i would always always lose and uh um so i would i didn't i didn't really consider myself that good at video games but i would still play it for fun anyway and magikarp was just i just thought magikarp was always like you know it's just this really pathetic little fish but then with enough training or like whatever it takes to level up, it just turns into this giant monster and then it wrecks everything, you know, like, and that, that like, especially, and I also love the episode where James buys the magic cart and he starts <laughs> like, he, he starts like talking shit to it. Right. And then it finally, you finally push magic cart too far and it falls into Carados and destroys everything. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's really why, honestly. Like, I just like the idea of it evolving from a, a little, like, literally, like, one of the worst Pokemon ever into one of the best powerhouses in the game, so. That's, that's, that's really solid. And on the, the more, the more thematic elements of the games, I've always found it really, really interesting how, uh, Gyarados tends to be very embodiment of, fit of masculine and aggressive in trainers like anyone who is supposed to be a, a man's man and, and aggressive tends to rock a, a Gyarados whereas if you are a, a female antagonist you're, you're almost always rocking a Milotic um, yeah <laughs> and I always thought that that was kind of an, an interesting contrast and comparison uh, now do you do you use Gyarados like do you use him in your competitive sets oh absolutely um well i the thing is, I, I uh, stopped playing competitive Pokemon at the beginning of Gen 6. I uh, I think, because I got into Smash at the time, so I went full to, uh, full uh, Smash after that. But at back then, yeah, I would use, I would always try to put Gyarados on my teams. Nowadays, now that the Tapus are running around, probably, if I were to get back into it, probably not. But, you know, it's still, I every now and then I'll, I'll make a team centered around it just because I love them so much, so... And what what did you think of his his mega evolution, both from a gameplay and from a design standpoint? From a design standpoint, I thought it was amazing. Like it was, it's big. It's just like 
It looks even more threatening. Gameplay, I feel like I kind of got ripped off because I wanted it to be a dragon type so hard. Charizard got one, but they made it a dark type for some reason. And I find it extra, extra odd just because, like, if they thought that making it a dragon type would be too overpowered, like, they literally just, like, invited fairy types over. So you have something that could take it out, like, Clefable or possibly, but, or maybe Clefable couldn't, but, you know, any, and my point is, like, there is a type that uh, would resist it or nullify it if it was a dragon type, but they just didn't. They made it a dark type, and I don't, I don't get that at all, to be honest. That's, I mean, that's, that's valid. I've, I've heard a lot of argument that Gyarados is intentionally not a dragon type because the myth that he's based on isn't a dragon. So they, they wanted to make it very clear that he's a water serpent, a flying serpent, but he's not a dragon. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, that makes sense. But yeah, at the same time, come on, look at that thing. It's, it's a fucking dragon. I mean, yeah. I'm a dragon over here. Like it's, it's a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Lance uses him because he looks like a dragon, right? He has a Charizard. Everyone's like Charizard's a dragon, but. No, it wasn't for a while. Just saying. For for the majority of his existence, Charizard has not, in fact, been a dragon. This is correct. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, again, you've been on since the beginning, so I would assume that you've played most, if not all, of the different uh, console ga- or cartridge games. I should say. Yeah, I played all every single one except for the original Japanese Green. That's the only one I haven't played. Wow, that's that's pretty expansive then. Um, so out of all of the ones that you've played then, what is your favorite game or set of games and why? Um, Hard Gold, Soul Silver, because it's just a better version of Gold and Silver, which I think is the best of the of all of the games. Um, and for obvious reasons, I, it's because it has the most content. Like the post-game, it, you can't really... I guess you could deny that you could argue that there are better post games like lore wise, but content wise, like there's a lot of stuff to do even after you beat it. And there's like a like I think just having the trainer from the original game as the final boss kind of says a lot. Um, well, I but I will say that um, I think Oraz would be would come the closest to having like like a really good post game. But that's like lore wise. Like after I did the Delta mission, like I didn't really know what else much to do besides to start breeding and whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll say Hard Ghost Soul Silver just because you know they're the remakes of my favorite games ever, and they made them even better. So okay, well yeah, I mean that's that's definitely not a controversial opinion. I think a lot of people hold those particular games in a very very high esteem. Um, now. If you had to pick one, and I know that this is one that's kind of a thinker from, for some people, um, if you had to pick a favorite NPC from the series, so either a rival trainer or a gym leader, elite four member, um, even you know evil team leader, just just anyone in the games that you interact with, who would be mm-hmm. your favorite? Do you think? Uh, okay, that's a tough one because there's a couple of them that are are really good. Uh, I want to say silver from. You know, like your rival from Going Silver, just because he has this this mission to get back at his father, which I think is really cool. But he is kind of edgy and he is kind of a cryberry, a crybaby sometimes. Um, I do like the original rival of Blue Gary or whatever because he always he's always talking shit and it just makes me want to beat him up some more. Like I love that. I thought that was really, you know, it made me. <laughs> It made like even as a kid, it made me like really, really want to like 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 you know it's like the likable villain, you know, or like the likable asshole. Um, and then 
Steven, maybe, because he's cool. Like, he's just... Um, I would think Lance is cool if he didn't carry three Dragon Knights, but he does. <laughs> so, I mean, I like Dragon Knight, but just having three of the same Pokemon is just not a good idea. And uh, Three under-leveled Dragon Knights that were impossible until Gen 7. So, yeah, that was that was frustrating, to say the least. Yeah, and... Yeah, I'll just go with blue. Blue is the, I think blue is the best NPC. He is, he has aspirate. His only mission is to take you out. And what, what, uh, better rival could, could you possibly ask for, honestly? That's, I mean, that's really solid. Like, there's a lot of people who really miss the, the antagonistic rivals that we got in the yeah. first two generations that kind of faded off into the blue. I mean, you know, I guess Gladion, it kind of fills those same shoes to a degree, but he's not nearly as, as underhanded, despite being... Oh, is that is that the emo kid from... Uh, I mean, I don't hate emos, but is that... You know what I mean? Like, the really edgy kid from <laughs> Sun and Moon? Yeah, the kid the kid who looks like he's constantly listening to Linkin Park who can't stop the tremors in his hand? Yeah, that's Gladion. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of him. He may have been antagonistic, but he wasn't, like... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, Blue is really, really likable, and it might be my nostalgic, my nostalgic goggles, but Gladion I could not get behind. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I don't think the design was doing him any favors, honestly. I think if you'd have given another character his exact story, but made them, again, look less like a wannabe Linkin Park roadie, it probably would have gone a lot further. And it gave him a better <laughs> signature Pokemon, too. I didn't really think Type Null or Silvali was that impressive. Man, I had so many high hopes for so many of the Alola Pokemon that just turned out to be incredibly lackluster. Like, that, uh, that, that, that's a whole episode by itself. Just disappointing Alola Pokemon. Uh, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's neither here nor there, uh, really. But yeah, that, mm, that, that regional decks did not, design wise, fantastic. Uh, actual playability, not, not as much. Um, now, Kellen, do you have any real experience with the, the, the primary focus of our show, which is uh, the, the Nuzlocke challenge or any other like variant challenge rule sets? I have done a Nuzlocke, so I guess so, yeah. Yeah. How'd that go for you? Um, well, I did it in one of the later games, so I guess it wasn't that hard. So, but, I mean, I did it. It was fun. It was only fun when I thought for sure that one of my Pokemon was going to die, and then I remembered that... I could just trick the the AI into doing something else, and I was like, "Oh, okay, never mind." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the more you know, the 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 more strict you have to make the rule set to make it an actual challenge. That's definitely definitely a factor. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, um, our hosts at, at the time that this podcast should be airing for for our audience, um, our hosts should be gearing up to head into the Generation Two games. Um, we're going to be competitively nuzlocking and playing Gold, Silver, and Crystal. Um, now, for at least one of our hosts, actually, for Rohane, this is going to be his first experience with these games at all. He's never played them. Um, now, again, I know that you on your channel have a pretty big emphasis on um, competitive Pokemon in general and also the history of competitive Pokemon, not just what's good now, but what has been good historically. Um, mm -hmm. So with that in mind, what what advice would you give to to our challengers to, to hopefully be more successful in those games? Um, well, if they... Well, are you are you going to tell them like infor, um, information beforehand on like where to get what, or are you just going to let them figure it out, uh, figure them out itself, themselves? Um, well, I mean, they're they're going to have access to 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 this, of course. They're going to be able to hear this this audio, but then on top, of oh, okay, that, yeah. Um, I mean, on top of that, we haven't banned information sources, so they have things like Cerebi. They can look up where encounters are and what the encounter rate is, things like that. Uh, okay, so my first advice would be. 
especially for a Nuzlocke, you can only catch the Pokemon, the first Pokemon you encounter on a route or like a, an area, really, right? So, um, my first advice was that if you know for a fact that there is a gift Pokemon there, like you, someone you get from a trainer or someone you can trade, I would not, I would try as much as possible to not encounter anything else. Cause, and, and, Wait, do you have gift and trade Pokemon banned or no? Well, we haven't set the specific rules for that game series yet. Like, again, we're doing our red and blue challenge now. And in red and blue, we're allowing gift Pokemon outright. I think we're going to get a little bit more strict with those things as we go. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, we're, we're definitely allowing them, whether it's going to be only as your first encounter or just you can take. Okay, well, if they are allowed, I would definitely just not encounter anything until, like, for example, wherever you get Eevee in gen 2 like eevee evolves into four really useful pokemon and one really shitty one but you can but it's, it's easy to control like what you get from that and uh basically any pokemon you know that's easy that not easy but you know that you can control to like like you can control the the means of getting it i would i would go for it like because at least you know where you're getting into like for example like at the lake of rage i would definitely if you if you do have the money, assuming I would definitely stock up on repels or something, and then take the Gyarados instead of trying to get something else in the area, because I don't recall anything anything um, that good being around the Lake of Rage. I could be wrong, but I don't remember anything uh, that's good in that area. And then my other advice is that like if there's like an area where you know, like, it's really common to get a Pokemon, and you know it's good, like, I would, I would, like, go for it. Like, for example, like, Swinub in, uh, in that ice cave or whatever. I'm pretty sure Swinub's common. I could, I, again, I, you know, this has been, it's been a while since I've played the games, but. Sure. I'm pretty sure, cause Pillow Swine isn't that bad. Um, it can hit a lot of, you know, it's got ice attacks, it can hit a lot of things, and then it's got, it also, it has ice ground coverage. Um, that's also, cons- I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it learns Earthquake on its own. If it doesn't, I mean, that would really suck to use your your one TM. But if it does, like, I would go for something like Swinub, who's, like, really commonplace and you know it evolves into something good. But with that said, I would not go for, no matter how much I love Crobat, I would not go for Zubat, just because, like, it's such a pain to level up in the beginning. But you might not have a choice when you when it comes to Zubat. Um, and that's pretty much it, other than, uh oh, stock up on, on Lemonades. Lemonades are great. Uh, they're cheap and they cost they're cheap and they heal more than super potion if i recall for a lot less okay cool uh, so so basically then i mean i mean there were a couple of other really good little nuggets in there but your primary advice is then to, to try to take as much randomness out as you can that if you have a uh a sure thing versus a random quality always take the sure thing yeah wait is it are you, you guys are racing each other or is it like no, we're, we're um, doing set gameplay increments. So, you know, like in our current challenge, in the Red Blue Challenge, week one of streaming, we're going to go through Brock. We're going to defeat Brock. We're going to stop there at, at our level limit, and then we're going to record our podcast battle, and we'll move on to the next gameplay set. Um, mm-hmm. We're obviously going to have to portion the gameplay a little differently with Gen 2 because those games are so massive, unless we choose not to go to Kanto, which we'll discuss when it comes to that. I, I feel like we should do the whole thing. I don't feel like you're getting a good gold, silver, crystal experience without beating red personally but we'll mm-hmm. we'll figure that out um but but yeah we're, we're doing set increments okay so it doesn't really um so would it matter like t- time wise if they were like first they were like trying to farm uh i say farm but you know, really just stand in front of a vending machine and try to get like stock up on lemonades and stuff 
No, no, that's absolutely something. If you want to spend your time doing things like that, you absolutely can. All right, cool. And uh, I don't remember our energy roots and the, you know, you know, those items are those a thing in Gen in Gold and Silver. You know, I don't remember. I'm not sure. I think that the the herbal medicine was added in Gen Three, but I could be wrong about that. So, listeners, if I'm wrong, then feel free to you know shit talk me. I know that that's <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, because those for a Nuzlocke are great unless you're trying to evolve something through friendship. Or unless um, something knows return as its primary, you know, nuke. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, now, Kellen, how did you get into um, YouTubing? Okay, well, I've always wanted to be, like, a YouTuber, like, ever since, like, middle school. I do, like, I think, like, middle school is also where I discovered my love for, like, video editing in general. And that that is what I'm trying to get my career in at right now. I go to grad school for editing. Oh, nice. Uh, currently, so that is, like... Um, that is where most of my, um, editing, like, knowledge comes from, is, like, just over the years of just picking up a bunch of different programs and then learning it and whatnot. Um, as for YouTube, I've always liked the idea of being able to, like, make your own content and then, like, being able to, like, you know, interact with fans and whatnot, um, even, which is kind of ironic considering I don't, I'm not really, like, an attention person, like, I... I actually tend to tend to be I prefer to be away from like crowds and even even then like on film sets like I always choose to be the footage like the the storage guy because so I don't have to go on set but it's a uh, um I I do like being able to share like just stuff you've made so I got into it around I'd say when I was like like towards the la- the latter half of eighth grade, like I tried to like I would upload videos, which I've all deleted now just because I'm embarrassed about it. But um, back then it was fun, and then um, I think like before that was before when I would just post random things of like video games or like my thoughts on whatever, and then I just share it with my friends. And then when I got into Smash, actually around 2013, 2014. I was like, I was like an okay, like I'm nowhere n- near as good as an editor as I am now. But back then, I was like, I, I knew enough to like, you know, just cut and paste things together. And I met a top player in Smash who lived in the area named Kira, and he, um, we became pretty good friends. And then when he, uh, and this is for uh, Smash Brothers Melee, by the way, uh, not, uh, I, th- I don't think Smash Wars out yet. Okay. Uh, and he said that he wanted to uh, teach like the players in our area by making videos. And he asked me if, if I could, if, well, first he asked me if he could borrow my equipment. I, was, I said, sure. And then it was, it was either, I don't remember this clearly, but it was either taking him a while or he just like either couldn't figure it out or it was taking him a while to make it. So I was like, Hey, I could help you. You know, he's like, oh, okay. And then we started a channel called SSBM tutorials. And instead of making it just available to people in our, in our town or in our city, we made it available to, to the entirety of the, of the melee community. And, um, what and uh, to the may for the melee community in general at the time there wasn't a lot of edited content. It was more so, um, for it was more so just stream vods and like and the top player what the top players stream and what they teach to other people is really like the content itself is really good, but the way it's presented wasn't like all too great. So, um, I I thought I w- I can make it easier by you know I have this more or less top player who he knows well he knows he's top 100 but he knows a lot about the game and for for like like the really like the for the new players i thought it'd be really beneficial to just like you know cut out all the all the the delays in the stream or whatever and just make it like really really like straightforward 
and more or less fast-paced. And so SSBM Tutorials was born, and we made it a go to make a video, at least one video every week, and we would experiment. And then I actually learned a lot about editing from doing that too. And then from there, um, after I don't remember what sparked this, but I actually wait. Actually, wait, no, no, I do. So I, uh, I would the only my problem now the only problem I had was that I'd always have to since I I was you know I'm like a like to to an extent I still am a big noob in melee like relative to to the scene I'm in right now like everyone here is really good, but I would always have to wait for Kira to to like write the script and stuff and like it's not that he wasn't doing it at a in a timely matter is that I I was so eager to just make things my on my own that I was like okay I want to start um or one of my one of my friends uh, named Ken who's uh like uh, Sephiroth Ken he told me that I should just start my own channel and I was like okay well um I, at first I was a little skeptical because I wasn't really used to like narrating anything because you know I'm not, I'm not really like an attention kind of guy but I, I just I just did it and then like I wanted to do Smash content at first because that was the current thing that I was into. But then I remembered like I remember I tried to get into the Pokemon content and I failed miserably just because I was only doing what everyone else was doing. And now that I'm a lot more knowledgeable with this stuff, like I was like, okay, maybe I can do it like right this time. And you know, even though I haven't played competitive Pokemon since the beginning of Gen Six, I still love talking about like it's kind of like Twitch plays Pokemon where you um. I know a lot of people actually tried to play it like on the stream and a lot of people watched it, but a good number of us loved, we didn't actually like watching it live. I, like a, a decent portion of us didn't actually like watching it live, but we did love hearing about the lore that people made up about it. Sure. Like that was, that was amazing. Like all the, like, Oh, the, the, he accidentally, uh, this, the false prophet Flareon accidentally made us release all of our Pokemon. So we killed all these Pokemon, but then now we have the Helix fossil that can't be deleted. So he must be like, you know, that's, sh that shit. It was meme, but I loved it. Like it was so funny. So that from there, I was like, okay, well, maybe I could talk, like I could talk about, you know, I love hearing about, and like it also comes with melee too. Like melee has been around since 2001 and it's competitive scene for like maybe only like a year after that. So like maybe like 15, 16 years now. And I loved hearing like the thing that got me into the, into the the scene in, in um in general was the documentary that was about that was uh, about like the past rivalries and stuff. So I loved hearing about past meta games from because of melee. And so when I thought about like oh I thought it'd be I th that's when I was like oh I think it'd be really cool if I made past past uh videos on the past meta games of each Pokemon. And that way I could do I could just for an episode I could just keep doing a Pokemon. But then it'd still be interesting because, you know, it, you never really, even though some of, for some Pokemon, especially like the better ones, they usually stay the same as far as sets go. But for a lot of them, like you never really know what, what type of mechanic when a new iteration of game comes out will change a Pokemon like forever. And that's really interesting to me. So, um, I was like, well, if I'm going to make my, that's like Pokemon is the only other thing that I really know anything about. And like, I'm, I know a good number about Smash, but I'm still a noob. So I'm not really sure if anyone will listen to me for that. And so I, I was like, okay, well, I'll just try Charizard. Let's see, you know, there's always that meme that Charizard sucks. I might as well, let's see, let's see how he, like, if he was really that bad, like, before Diamond Pearl. And then I found out that he was actually, he wasn't bad, bad, you know, he was, he was decent before that. And that, that was already, I was already having fun just cause, you know, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't take the time to look past Gen 4 because I started playing competitive in Gen 4. Sure. 
I'm, I'm sorry this answer is so long-winded, but oh, basically no. telling the, how how everything got started. And then, so I looked past Gen 4, I was like, wow, you know, this is actually really fun to do. And then I did the Charizard video, I advertised it on my Smash YouTube channel at the time. And, well, it still is, but I advertised on my Smash channel because Sun and Moon was coming out at the time, and then... Then from there, I just kept doing it. Like, well, there was a there was a couple months gap in between episodes because I was still trying to figure out how I wanted it, and uh, like I was still trying to figure out a good workflow for me to start putting it out weekly. But uh, yeah, like after uh, I think after the bulb after the Blastoise the Blastoise episode, I started. That's when I started pumping it out weekly because I finally figured out how I can like maximize like you know the research and everything else, and then I started hiring other people to help me. And yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. That's and that's now I'm here, so so doing it every week. That's awesome. Now I I know that you said that th- this was the career that you're pursuing, that you're actually going to school for video editing, and this is something that you not only enjoy doing, you know, semi professionally as a hobby on YouTube, but that you're wanting to build your career on. What yeah? What is it for you that makes video such a special medium? Um. Well, like I said, like before, I I, I you know I'm not really like an attention type of guy. But making videos was my, I mean, this sounds really, really fucking cheesy, but it's making videos is my way of expressing myself. Like I can in a video, like, you know, I'm not really like, I guess talking in front of like, I'm not afraid to talk in front of crowds, but like live, I always like, you know, I always choke or like I, I don't really get stage fright, but I do like, it takes me a while to develop my thoughts to say to people. But in in the video, I have all like, Relative to the preparation time, I have all the time I want, and then I can be like, I feel like I can be myself in them, basically. Um, like, and what, what myself is really is just like a, you know, really like, uh, kind of kind of passive, but also like I, you know, I like to say like, I guess like I, I've been described as having like deadpan humor, like in per in in person, like, you know, I don't really look that interested, but I say something funny every now and then, like that's what I, um. That's how I want to express myself sometimes, uh, most of the time. And then video is usually my best way to do it because you do it through your characters or you do it through like your stories or what have you. And then, and, and also, it, and the fact that it can just expand into so many different things, like, you know, we like right now on YouTube, we have like my gamer self, right? Is where I talk about what I like in the games or at, or at this point, you know, like what I thought was interesting or what or like the con like the content like that I would watch would be which would be like you know like past metagame history, which I think is really interesting to me like that being able to do that is why I love videos so much and then but it doesn't even have to end there. I could actually do like narr- like I do one day my main goal is to get into like narrative stuff, and that's why I, that's what I go to school for, but with the narrative stuff, you know I can really really express myself um that way, so basically it's all about expressing uh, expression and like doing a whole using all utilizing all the the techniques of storytelling to to like get your message out there and that's why i love it so much um as far as uh, why i like editing the most i have no idea why it might be because i'm a huge nerd and i like sitting on my computer um because i don't really like writing too that much although i said i have been told i'm not that bad at it but i don't think i'm that good at it and then directing i actually like directing but i don't like having to like do like because directing is also like partly producing where you have to like keep track of a whole bunch of different people and you have to make sure that they're always on it. But with, with editing, like it's, it's just, unless like, you know, aside from the director, it's more or less like just you 
and your thoughts and like it's like every it's like you're finalizing it you're putting all the pu- pieces of the puzzle together so yeah i guess i guess that's basically it um Awesome. Does that that answer your question? Sorry. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. (laughs) And it's, you know, I I think that, you know, kind of what we're hitting on is because you're expressing a lot of my feelings, actually. And it's funny because I work in in a completely different medium. Well, not entirely different. I mean, again, we do stream. But, you know, again, my passion is for for the audio, for the podcasting, but for many of the same reasons. Um, And and I think ultimately just what it comes down to is that creative people have to express that. And and so you find your way of doing so and you just cling tightly to it. So that's really cool. It's really cool that even though we're, we're working in very different things, we have a lot of the same feelings on them. Um, now who influences you? Like what content, whether it's other YouTube creators, whether it's, you know, even TV, radio, anything that you consume, um, really inspires you and influences the way you create your content. Okay. Uh, well, as far as for Pokemon and for gaming in general, I'd say for editing techniques, game theory, for the way like presentation wise or the way it's written, I'd say Jay Witz. I really like Jay Witz. Um, even though he's kind of, um, you know, like he's, I think people, some people think he's bland, but I think he's great. Like he's, um, his content is just really solid. I think his, his is a really good example of like what Pokemon content should strive to be. Uh, for competitive wise, um, I do have a bit of a snarky side, so I'd say Shofu probably. Uh, and, uh, um, and, um, I think that's, oh, Aurigardi. I really like Aurigardi. I think he's, the most i mean he's not i don't think he's underrated but i feel like he definitely needs more uh traction because i he thinks of topics that i don't really like normally think of like him and dobbs but i, I mostly like or guardian i mean no offense to dobbs but i really i, I really like uh or guardian a lot just because of the topics he thinks of um so yeah i guess those would be my main influences um as far as like narrative and like film goes i'd say anything that has satire i will absolutely love like south park uh, the earlier <laughs> episodes of Family Guy, and then like, uh, um, let's see what else. Uh, I guess mining Python to an extent, and then like, yeah, that's uh, basically it. Like, it's really, um, it's funny because in school, like, I've only been doing drama, but I finally, I think this semester, I finally get to do a comedy film, so I'm excited for that. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay, awesome. Um, now, this might not be interesting to anyone else, but it's super interesting to me, and it's my podcast, goddammit, so I'll talk about what I want to talk about. Um, so it, it hasn't been that long since we had to go through this creative process for our show, so it's just something that's been very much in my mind recently. H- how, what was your branding process like for False Swipe Gaming? Like, how did you settle on the name of False Swipe and on Aegislash as, as your mascot when you were branding your channel? Oh, okay. Um well, to be honest with you, I wasn't really thinking about like, as in like a brand that would spread. I was just thinking about a brand that meant something to me. So this is a, I don't, I don't think it's a long-winded answer, but it is like it's not like a short answer. Um, for so false swipe is a move where in the game where no matter how many times you use it, right, it will always, it will never kill the Pokemon, right? Yeah. Like it will always like even if you hit it at one HP, it still remains at one HP, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, if you notice, like, on my banner, I also have Marth right next to Aegislash. And the reason for that is, like, I play Marth in, in Melee. He's my favorite character in, in the game. And, like, you know, he's, um, I like sword characters for some reason. 
and Marth is the best one. If but then again, if I had to choose, I'd probably pick Link, but Link sucks. So um, Marth, um, Marth is the character in Mele- is my character in Melee, and the biggest critique I get from like players like I play in tournament where I lose to in tournament, or the top players that I play with are. Um, they say that my punish game is awful. And what that, what that really means is that, like, even though I win the neutral, like, I mean, I don't even think my neutral is that good, to be honest. But even if I win the, no matter how many times I win the neutral, if I can't get rid of the stock, because, like, you know, in Smash, like, it's not really about, like, how many times you hit them, it's if you make sure you don't, it's more about making sure they don't get back to the stage. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so what the punish game refers to is that, like, how much, mileage you get off of one off of winning the neutral and off of winning the neutral i get so little mileage like it's almost comical i don't even know how i beat people you know like it's just it's almost comical how little mileage i get off of my off of my grabs or off of my openings and stuff and so like basically like you ever watch ruroni kenshin yeah back in the day absolutely he has the sword that doesn't kill people, right? Well, that's just like me in melee. I can't kill anybody for some reason. I can't take. <laughs> it's so hard for me to take a stock. I don't even know how I win, like certain, like some matches. But like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I relative to the again relative to the people in a in my scene, uh, SoCal, I suck. But um, I don't even know how I I win my round one or two matches, but. I just can't punish, like, I can't, it's so hard for me to take a stock to the point where it's comical, and that's where I was like, okay, well, what's, I'm trying to do, I want to do Melee and, I want to do Pokemon and Smash, and then maybe other games if I get into them, but then, like, mostly Pokemon and Smash, so how do I integrate that, how do I integrate them together, and then I know it's like, oh yeah, isn't there that move in, in Smash that literally, like, is translated to the back hand, the back side of a sword? mean and it doesn't kill anybody oh yeah false swipe and then that's how it that's how it happened i just picked Aegislash slash because i thought it looked it would look cool with marth holding it because their colors are kind of like i guess they kind of match a little bit yeah and that, that's how that's how the branding i guess was born that's that's actually really cool that's that's a pretty uh a, a very personal answer and that's honestly the way those kind of creative processes should go down i think you don't want your brand to be something canned you want it to be something that kind of comes organically comes from who you are comes from the heart so that's that's pretty cool um yeah. Now, Kellen, if we have any listeners out there who are interested in creating content of their own, uh, but maybe they've never done it before, they have no idea where to start, but if they want to start making their own YouTube videos, what advice would you give to someone who is starting from scratch and has no idea what to do? Okay, well, I would say the biggest takeaway I got from making this channel, or even from making my Smash channel, SSBM Tutorials, like... The biggest thing was that you have to find, like, especially nowadays where YouTube is so saturated with so many people. Like, I know this sounds like a no brainer, but you really, really have to stand out. Like the biggest, like the main, the the final nail in the coffin for me of making my videos was the fact that when I searched up competitive history of X, you know, like of whatever Pokemon, nothing came up. Like, and I was super surprised. I was like, really? No one has done this yet. Like, I... I would look up, like, um, and obviously, you know, like, even if someone did it, like, I probably probably would have still gone through with it, and I would have done things differently. But even then, I was still, I was still, again, I was hitting a really, like, in terms of the type of content, I was hitting a really small, like, not sample size of people, but, like, sample size in terms of the types of videos. Whereas, because Pokemon's always going to 
attract a large audience, you know? Yeah, so, so it, was um, a, it was a very specific but unserved niche. Yeah, basically. So that's my biggest advice. Like, you always, like, I, like, I see some of my, my friends start to, my, some of my friends start to do YouTube and then, like, um, I think, like, man, if they listen to this, I'm really sorry, guys. I'm going to put you on blast a little bit <laughs> if they listen to this later. But you guys gotta, like, you can't just, like, do, like, if you see, you see, like, for example, like, a top 10, whatever like top 10 favorite pokemon and like you know it's really subjective and so i don't mind subjectivity as long as there's like a good reasoning for it but like you know now you're gonna when you make that now your video is gonna be in the list of like everyone else's top 10 favorite pokemon or everyone else's top five top seven top four five oh the video that really really i really did not approve of is that one by screen screen rant or it will actually even think it's even by screen rant. It's like a guy who copied a screen rant article and the screen rant article isn't even that good. Like it's, um, five, 10 Pokemon that are actually unbeatable. Like, man, oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin with that. But anyway, <laughs> like no Pokemon is unbeatable. No. But, but anyway, like my point is that you're, you don't want to get lost in like the sea of like everyone else's like stuff. So everyone who's trying to be like the first person to put out news. Or, like, I do like news content to an extent, but there's just so much of it, you know? Like, there's, like, I feel like that's, like, you know, and I get it. It's, like, the fastest one to put out, but I don't really, you know, and um, I, I get really tired of it. And then, like, it gets, like, so oversaturated with all these other people who are trying to put out news. But if you find something that's, like, similar, but also, like, different enough for, for people to catch, to, like, get their attention, then do it. Like, it has to be, like, it, it's, like, a balance. Like, like you said, it's, like, a... It's like a un untapped niche, but it still like applies to. It still has the potential of the audience, but it, it's still something that people haven't seen before. And I've gotten comments saying that like, you know, the reason why they watch it is because they haven't really seen anything, anyone that talks about it. Like the most they've seen. I, I remember when I was first doing the videos, or I was first thinking about making the videos. When I would look up like if it's already been done, the most I would see was like, oh the origins of this evolutionary line from like, I remember, I think it's from a channel called Kanto university, which I did enjoy the video because it was because Shofu and, and like some of my other YouTubers I used to watch were in it, but like, you know, it's still like, you know, it's, it's just putting, it, it wasn't about like, like how Pokemon, like, you know, my favorite part of Pokemon anyways, like how, how they beat each other up. <laughs> so it was just more about like, you know, um, they dwell in this habitat and, they do this and then they evolve into this or something like that. Um, I don't know. It's like reading Bulbapedia, but in a in a video form. And I guess you could argue that my videos are like reading the Smogan articles just in video form. But I also try to like go beyond and try to look up like, you know, actual like statistics and whatnot. So, but yeah, I'm going off on a huge tangent right now. I'm sorry, but that's the main thing is just find find your niche. I don't know what it is. But you're, that's something that you're just going to have to figure out if you want to get into stuff. And just don't, like, try to be, like, relatable to the pop, I guess, like, I mean, if you really want to sell out, try to be relatable to the pop, popular content. But don't, like, I don't know, don't overdo it. Because at that point, it's just not, like, it's not like you, you know? Like, And if you're making the same yeah. videos as guys like Verlicify and Shady Penguin, then why are they going to watch you? They're just going to watch Verlicify and Shady Penguin. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly my point. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if, if someone's already, like established you know like then why should we watch you you know like we're, we're gonna go watch for lists or or uh yeah like you said no shady penguin or uh 
or which one is Callum Hoodlum Scrafty, right? Or yeah, Hoodlum like Scrafty. Yeah. 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 And then, um, and then like, I've also gone on, like, I think I got drunk once and then I, I ranted to this about like some of my, because I, I did stream melee a lot, like some tournaments for, a, for like maybe like two or three years. And then like, I get, I got like kind of pop, not popular, but I got like relative to the other local streams, I got bigger. But that's because I had the backing of my melee channel. Sure. So that was, so that was my niche, you know? But there's something, you know, like, and what I would tell a lot of those streamers was that you really have to like, you know, okay, like, I'm, it's really great that you match the, the production quality of Gimmer, who, who does VG Bootcamp, who's the biggest Smash streamer um, out there right now. Like, that's great that you do all of that. But, like, at the same time, like, Gimmer's already established, you know? We're all gonna watch Gimmer. Like, why should we watch you? Like, you know, that, that, like, I was, I wasn't saying that to them to be a dick. I was, you know, I was being devil's advocate, you know, like, what makes you different from Gimmer? When Gimmer are, we already know that Gimmer is already established because of his, like, his, his credibility or whatever, you know, so, so basically they have to try to set themselves apart. And I will admit though, for tournament streaming, or tournament streaming, that is very hard. Like, you're basically, your branding is basically the region you live in. Like, honestly, but, you know, it's still something to think about when you want to, like, get your name out there or what or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those are some really, really solid tips for, for really anybody wanting to produce any kind of content. Um, but especially for YouTube, because, you know, again, if you're interested in Pokemon and you want to create uh, Pokemon content, you know, YouTube is already pretty saturated with Poketubers. So definitely find something to make yourself special. That's yeah. that's really solid. Now, Kellen, I don't know. You know, I know that you're a competitive guy, but I also know you haven't been super into the the, the current meta. So I don't mm. know how prepared you are for this question, but I also know that most people who play competitive generally have something in the back of their minds on this topic anyway. So even if it's not necessarily current, if it's from before, I'm sure you've mm. thought about it. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if if you as as a competitive player, if if Game Freak um, and, and Creatures Inc. if they call you up tomorrow and they say, you know, K Kellen, we've watched Fall Swipe Gaming. You seem like a very knowledgeable young man. Uh, we need to fix the meta. It's broken. Um, you can invent a move or a type or make any other you know kind of adjustment that you need to fix the Pokemon meta game. What would you change and why? That's a tough one because, like you said, I don't. I'm not up to date with Gen Seven. Well, I did watch Worlds a couple of days ago, but other than that, like, I'm not really, especially for singles, I'm not really that. Like, I do read articles every now and then, but I don't really watch it as much. Sure. But with that said, um, I did. I know a lot of people don't like seeing the Tapus just because, you know, it's like they're like, oh, they think it's always the same thing. But honestly, and this is this is only, and I, I've like come to terms with this just because I I played melee before like that's how a meta game is like people are trying to win they will take they will find a role that suits them and they'll take the best Pokemon that can serve that role and the thing I love about the tapus is that they they um take out a lot more of the I don't I'm not gonna call it cheese because it is pretty viable um but like for example electric terrain you can't be put to sleep or something like that right and then for Misty Terrain, you can't be status, I think, or something like that. But my yeah. point is that they take out, like, a lot of the non, I want to say non-engagement part of the, of the, the Pokemon, of Pokemon battling. Like, like, being defensive is, like, is good. Like, it's, I'm not going to fault anyone for playing defensive or, like, you know, and it is, it does form a strategy where, 
uh, it is a viable strategy if you you know if you have an opportunity to to put someone to sleep and then like you do it. But I want, but at the same time, just with just with even just like with an aggressive strategy for a defensive strategy, I feel like they should be like working a little bit more for it. So I thought that that's why I thought the tapus were a great a great addition to it. So for um to game freak, I guess I w- I don't want to say take out crits. Because I know I'm gonna get so much shit for that if I say take out crits. And also, like, you know, crits do, aside from, like, it's not only just the luck factor with crits, crits do, like, do affect the way battle of, if you get hit by one, mostly because, like, it ignores stat changes, which I think is largely more, um, I think it's something largely that you can, that would be a lot more interesting to see as opposed to, like, oh, it's just more damage. Sure. Um, is there, if there is a way to take out the randomness in crits, I'd be all for it. Like you could still have it, but just don't have it be a, like a random like times two. And I know like, you know, I know some people might already be like, oh well, you just have to deal with. I am dealing with it. Like that's you know, I still I played it for a while. I have dealt with it. Trust me. You know, I'm okay with. Play, I'm saying I'm okay with playing with it. But if you want to make the game more about like about skill and stuff, then have something like, you know, you know something that lets you control crits because I think. It'd be a lot more cooler to see instead of someone getting lucky and like, you know, you get more damage. I think it's a lot more cooler to see if you some I don't know how that would be, honestly, like and that's like the main problem. But if you could, could somehow control that and like, OK, well, I know he's just set up in my face, but I do have a method of landing a crit maybe like two turns later. And if I can do that, then I'll, I'll still have a shot at winning this. I think that that to me is really cool. As opposed to like, okay, I'll just hit this. I hope I get a crit. If I do, yay. If I don't, oh well, I lose. You know, like that's that. I guess that. So that's. I guess that's what I, I would do. No, for sure. P- personally, if I had to make a change, and this is probably a very, very biased because I tend to love a lot of the types that are the weaker types in competitive. I love bug Pokemon. I love ice type Pokemon, and you know, they're just not as typings they are not good typings i would Mm -hmm. really really like to see a new type introduced um that would be super effective against you know fairy which is the current you know top dog king shit in pokemon um Mm -hmm. and have it um be weak to bug and grass and have bug and ice resist it because mm-hmm. ice especially just needs a defensive boost. And I think that that could be, if you yeah, new, yeah, they do <laughs> a new powerful type and make ice resist it. That could be huge. Um, but yeah, that's no, absolutely a way to make crits more, more moldable and, and more understandable and more, um, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, more predictable, predictable. Yeah, predict- yeah, yeah. Would, would absolutely. Um, it, it would definitely make it more of a challenge of skill and not just a challenge of, of luck. Certainly. Yeah, and I definitely. But for the time being, like I've always played Pokemon this way. Like I always, if a, if they have a move that like will has a high critical hit ratio, or you know has a thirty percent chance of burn, or has even a chance to Oko, I just I always assume that it's just going to happen. Yep. Because that's <laughs> and I think honestly. That that's part of like coming to terms with like how a meta is even without patches. Like that's honestly for now that's what people have to do. But I'm just saying that it would be a lot more funner and I think it'd be a lot more hype when watching those matches that like, oh, he planned to hit the crit right here. You know, like right here, and that's because that's how to get past the boost that his opponent just made. And I'm not saying to make it like super easy either, you know, like I don't know how again, I don't know how they would do it, so I can't really offer solutions unfortunately, but if there is a way to do it, 
then like make it make it happen. You know, like that's why I like um there is a the only way I know of controlling that at the moment is uh scope lens uh focus energy king draw. Yes. I love that set so much, like because you can you um it ignores um what does it ignore your stat changes as well? I think no, not in um, the current meta. It used to. In Gins one and two it ignored your stat yeah, yeah, changes. Yeah, okay, so okay. That, yeah. Well, at any rate, like I still thought it was cool that, you know, like, oh, it's a way of controlling crits. Like, you know he's going to crit. Okay, well, now i got to play around that instead of, like, okay, if I go this and I have no control over this, if the game wants me, if the game, if this happens for the game for me, then that's good. If not, then that's bad. YOLO, you know, like, it's yeah. more, I think the mind games and knowing that someone can do something, like, for sure, like, I think that's a lot more skillful and a lot more fun to watch. So... Yeah, for sure. Other than that, there's there is one ice type move. It's a low BP move. I think it oh, might frost, be icy. frost breath. Yeah, frost, frost breath. breath. Yeah, frost breath. Yeah, is I, I talked about that in Tauros. Okay, that's also. I thought that gimmick was was really cool, but I know it's a gimmick, but I think it's so fun. You just and you frost breath your own Tauros to get anger point, and then you try to sweep. <laughs> that's that is, that's cool. See, I, that's I, hype. I think that's hype. <laughs> it's, Gimmick sets are really, really fun. Like I, yeah, like, that's one of the reasons I like VC, VGC as a competitive format is because in doubles you can run so many more gimmicks and have them be effective than you can in singles. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. So awesome, Kellen. Thank you for sitting down and talking with us today. I really appreciate it. I really hope that our our audience has enjoyed it. Um, now, before I let you go, I know that just recently you announced a, a new Patreon campaign. Do you want to talk about it to our listeners? Yeah, sure. Okay, so. My Patreon campaign is mainly just to raise money. It's not even for me, to be honest. Like, it's so that, like, I could get more people on board to help me with these videos because it literally takes me the whole week to make one video. And I'm, I have so many different ideas. Like, I have, like, I'm not, I'm not going to reveal them on here just because, like, I like to, I like it to be a surprise, but I have a lot of different ideas where that haven't, like, I, I looked it up on YouTube. They're not on YouTube yet or for by other people and I can't wait to show them but it takes I'm trying to I'm trying to keep this thing where no matter what I post that weekend like my viewers will always get like the standard like competitive history weekly I think I, I've only ever broken that trend once and that's when I needed more time for the Zapdos video but other than that like you know I want to make sure I'm, I'm able to put out as much content as possible so the Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash gaming. Is where if you if you're feeling generous or you want to see you want to help me like achieve my goal of making more content is uh there's three tiers and the first tier is just like you know every every everyone has this it's just a dollar and you, it's, you don't really get anything but um you know I you get my you get my appreciation basically but the two dollar one is you get to you get to join the false web gaming pa- uh, patron uh, discord where I I typically hang out in if you want to talk to me or whatever. And then you get, you also get a chance to vote in the patron pick, which for every first video of the month, it'll, it'll be solely, the votes will solely be based off of the patron pick for the main series. And I'm pretty sure, um, I guess, I guess I can reveal this on here. I'm pretty sure Tyranitar is winning right now. So September, the first uh, week of September, look out for that. And, uh, the, the one, the last one is really like, I really just put there just cause I needed more tears, but people actually, actually bought it i guess so i appreciate i greatly appreciate that but um it's uh you get a like a sort of like a producer credit you get you get your name at the end of the video it's showing that you know you contributed to this video which everyone who watches my videos contributes to it but they contributed like a little bit more 
And uh, but yeah, it's mainly to it's mainly it's not even like you know I'm not in any financial trouble. Like honestly, I'm not trying to trying to drain my fans of money. I'm just saying it's just for like if they want more content, then they can help out. And if they don't, then things will just stay the way they are. So yeah, that's uh yeah that's basically it. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, again, um, with me today has been Kellen of False Wife Gaming, and I really can't stress this enough. The content that he's producing is uh, both entertaining and original. Again, on on a uh, platform where everyone who's doing Pokemon content is generally doing mostly the same things, he has found something really original and cool, and I really enjoy watching it, so I hope that you guys will check it out and watch it as well. Um, you can find him under False Swipe Gaming at YouTube. You are YouTube.com slash False Swipe Gaming, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Yep. Absolutely. YouTube.com slash False Swipe Gaming. Um, you can also follow Kellen on Twitter at Kellen underscore FSG. Um, and yeah, absolutely check out his content. Kellen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jolly. It was really fun. Awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and kick it back to our normal hosts um, to see you guys out. And everybody, I hope you have a great one. Take it easy. See you, everyone. Bye. Thanks, past Jolly. We are back, folks. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Uh, Kellen is a great guy. He's making awesome content, and I really encourage all of you to check him out. Uh, YouTube.com slash FalseSwipeGaming is where you can find his videos. And be sure to follow him on Twitter at Kellen underscore FSG and his channel at FalseSwipeG. Also, if you enjoy the content that he makes, consider subscribing to his Patreon. It'll directly contribute to more of the content that you enjoy. Yeah, I was super stoked that uh, he said he loves Gyarados because it made me think of the spicy cat discussion from uh, last week. <laughs> yeah, dude, I just, I can't, I can't even. I, I, I'm offended that Spicy Cat was so disrespected after putting in so much work. But that's whatever. Rohane's gonna Rohane. That's... <laughs> That is what it is. Even if we hated you, rest in peace. All right. So next week in Blastburn Radio, uh, this the wait is almost over, guys. Episode fifteen will be our introduction to Gold, Silver, and Crystal, where we'll set our rule set for the next leg of the challenge, and we'll discuss the second generation of Pokemon games. Uh, After that, the challenge will once again be afoot, and we'll resume our weekly Nuzlocke gameplay and streams. And in Mess's case, that will include the addition of a wonderful new piece of equipment. Isn't that right, buddy? I am so excited. It's going to be so great. Three months of Hat of Shame. (laughs) Now, next week we'll also include the introduction of our new co-host. So be excited for that. She's a great friend and an incredible gamer. And I am really sure that you guys are just going to love her just as much as Mess and I do. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fantastic. And, I mean, she gets to join us at a great time. Gold, Silver, Crystal, great games. Classics. Now, remember, folks, just because we're in between games in our Nuzlocke series does not mean that we aren't streaming. Uh, Mess Buddy, I'm assuming you'll be continuing your randomized Emerald Run this week? Yeah, uh, six normal time. I can't talk. It's late. Uh, 6 p.m. Sunday, the day after this one, uh, more Emerald, fun time, exploding Magbees. Show up for the I don't know what fucking moveset this thing has. It's a blast. No pun intended. 
Hey, oh, and for myself, I'm not honestly sure what exactly I'll be streaming. Uh, might be more Pokemon trading card game, might be more showdown, might be something else entirely, but I will stream and it'll be Pokemon and I'm sure that we'll have a good time doing it. Um, now, as far as our community interaction this week, this week actually didn't bring any emails or messages, which isn't horribly surprising given that no one can be playing along with us when we're in between games. Uh, we did follow up, however, on our promise to sit down with fan of the show Tom Archard, who is now streaming on Twitch as Trainer Mimic, and we let him take on our champion teams on Showdown. Now, Tom lost a few friends taking on the Pokemon League, so to make things more fair, we each only brought four to face him. How did your match with Tom go, Mess? Uh, I played him twice, actually. I, I won both. The first match, uh, I kind of roughed him up quite a bit. Pierce gives no fucks, and she just d demolished things. The second match was a lot closer. Uh, I think I had one and a half Mon left. Uh, at the end but it was really exciting you know for a first time nuzlocker that guy knows his stuff yeah that's cool uh so you know mess i've been telling you all along that the fatal flaw in kalua in my sweeping kabutops is that he can miss any given hyper beam uh and he's very frail and easy to kill if he misses and we saw that against tom actually uh i managed to get kalua in set up Either one or two swords dances, but enough, enough swords dances. And I was fully prepared to sweep his entire team when I missed his Venusaur Saboteur with Hyper Beam and it razor leafed me into dust. Yeah. Um, I did win that match. Uh, again, even though we only brought in four, it still wasn't exactly fair. We got to choose which four to bring in and we just... In general, at this point, I have a lot more experience than Tom does at battling people with these particular teams because we do it every fucking week. Um, I'm sure he's going to be coming for Blood and Vengeance in Series 2, uh, and personally, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be great. This was this was a real blast because it felt like a, a good cap end to the series. Like, I was telling my wife the other day, I don't remember where we were going, but we were in the car, and I was like, I'm kind of bummed. I don't have any like gameplay for the series to play this week um where we've developed this team over the course of nine weeks i was like i feel kind of bad it's like kind of like leaving some friends behind and it was nice to be able to use them to play with a, a huge fan of the show uh who's been a great supporter of us so tom thank you for for playing with us playing along with us playing in showdown we're looking forward to continuing that in the next series Absolutely. And if you out there, listener, if you are a proud member of the Blastburn Nation like Tom, we'd love for you to play along with us at home. Uh, we're just about to start a new game series, so it's the best possible time for it. And Pokemon Gold and Silver are now conveniently available on your Nintendo 3DS or 2DS via the eShop. Uh, if you're playing along at home, get a hold of us via email or social media and let us know how your run's going. Also, if you are like Tom and you want to pit your teams against ours, consider subscribing to one of our hosts on Twitch. Uh, we'll give you access to our subscriber-exclusive Discord channel, and we will accept battle challenges in Discord whenever possible. Uh, currently, unfortunately, I am the only one of our hosts who's able to have subscribers on Twitch, so that does mean subscribe to Jolly. But if you are firmly team mess, or if our new mystery host steals your heart and you want to sub to either of them... Uh, and, and directly support their channels, be sure to give them your word of mouth and help their channels grow because that's what we need to happen so that they can start having subscribers and being cheered on, on Twitch.
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, we've actually, I think all of us have seen a big uptick in followers and viewers over the the course of series one. So thank you, everybody who shows up every week and keeps us company. Okay, well that's going to be our show for this week, guys. Um, now. As always, even though we are not currently in the middle of a Nuzlocke series, we will be streaming. And Mess, you generally stream uh, Sunday evenings. Is that going to be correct again this week? Yeah, like I said, it, it'll be uh, Sunday night, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. Just go ahead and join me. I'm, I'm pretty much there every week at 6 p.m. Eastern. So definitely uh, stop by and tune in. It's going to be a blast. Awesome. And where is your stream found on Twitch? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Engine. Uh, just type it on in it'll bring you right to me awesome um now as always i am jolly by nature and i will be streaming this tuesday evening at 9 p.m eastern at twitch.tv slash jolly by nature and again i'm not actually sure what we're going to be streaming yet uh probably either tcg or showdown uh, but we'll be doing something fun and i hope you guys stop by and i hope you have fun uh, now, as always, guys, I do just want to stress that we do want your emails. We want your direct messages on social media, your tweets. We want to hear from you, uh, whether you are playing along with us at home, uh, doing your own super hardcore, way better than ours challenge run, and you just want to talk about it, or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings and feedback on the show, please send us your emails to blastburnradio at gmail.com or tweet at the show at blastburnradio, message us on Facebook get at us somewhere uh now as always i do want to thank our uh, our, our singular host for joining us uh now messer engine where can our listeners find you and mythic portal games online as always you can find me at messer engine on twitter you can also follow mythic portal uh on or at mythic portal on twitter or mythic portal games on facebook come check out our stuff we're doing some really interesting things right now with the new uh space game uh, which you should be starting to see some stuff about soon uh, and we have like I mentioned in a previous episode a sculptor working on minis so lots of exciting things happening make sure to check it out awesome thanks mess um, now once again you can find me streaming on twitch when I am streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash jolly by nature if you want to reach out to me see what I'm up to uh, you can follow me directly on twitter at bbr jolly or follow the show on twitter or facebook at Blastburn radio uh, now thank you everyone for joining us and listening today I do as always want to give a very special thank you to my co-host messer engine for Blastburn radio I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next week, folks. Last Burn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Rohane, and Messer Engine. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy. Check out this and other video game remixes at ocremix.org. Closing music in today's episode is Pokemon Gold and Silver Ending Theme Arrangement by Zephyr Badge. Check out this and other tracks at soundcloud.com slash Zephyr Badge. Blast Burn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.